Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Uber Neuro, the podcast designed to ensure that anybody with the neurodiversity knows they're not alone and it's not their fault. And the mission of this podcast is to interview amazing people uh, who either have grown up with a neurodiversity and have succeeded despite or because of it, uh, or the people around them who have grown up caring for people with neurodiversity, especially parents. Joining me today is someone really amazing, someone who's achieved an incredible amount. I'm sure she'll be very humble about it, but (laughs) the reality is uh, she's in a fantastic leadership role at a massive corporation. Uh, Kerry Nutley, are you there? Hello, thank you so much. Yes, and thank you so much for inviting me on. I will be humble about it. I'm sure there's many other people uh, with neurodiversity that are in great positions because we think a bit differently, but doesn't mean that we can't smash down boundaries and be amazing. I totally agree. That's a great intro. So obviously, let's uh, let's tell everyone what you do and uh, who you do it for. Could you summarise for us? Sure. So my name's Kerry Nutley. Um, I've just moved to Oracle. Uh, I look after their human capital management uh, strategy, whereby I look at future trends in people uh, and uh, in employee experience. Amazing. So neurodiversity, is that something that's been on your radar for a long time, uh, even aside from your own experiences, or is that something relatively new? Well, I guess I've been quite blessed that I've um, worked in various vice president and director roles in HR. So it's always something um, that uh, obviously we've been aware of. We've kind of encouraged people to, to speak up and offer a very open platform with which people to progress and excel. Um, I've managed people with Aspergis and realised actually as a manager, the limitation was not them. Uh, it was me because I didn't know how to manage people with this disability. So I made sure I took responsibility to find out. And this guy was the best person I ever had uh, in my team. We just had to make sure um, that we gave him a couple of uh, hints and tips about uh, how he managed his Asperger's. We called it his index card, uh, the way he used nice. his filing system and just said to him, you know, uh, talk, tell us about the start of the project rather than the action. And, and just by those small tips, uh, he went from being an okay performer to an amazing performer. So wow. really passionate about managing people for people. Uh, and so both in an HR sense and as a manager sense, because that's how you get the best out of people. Amazing. And I guess, you know, that's the whole point of everything, really, getting the best out of people. You know, you're, you're obviously lucky to have worked in HR and to have been able to focus on that. And so it must have been quite, quite amazing. But also from your own perspective, uh, given that you have a neurodiversity, do you want to tell everyone uh, what your challenge was? Yeah, I think I think the fact is, is even though you work in HR and you encourage people, probably the people that you're hardest on is yourself. And, and we were talking before we started. I grew up in the 70s where I'm dyslexic and those things weren't known. So you kind of got called in and no one could understand why you didn't understand the where, the where, the theirs and the theirs, because these things just make sense to us. And so often I was the child that never went out to play because I was sat down with my father getting told to read what was there. And we don't. Right. But dyslexia wasn't known. Um, So you kind of grew up in a world where, you know, you could understand that you were great at geography and great at these other things. But when it came to French or spelling tests, you were bottom of the class. So, you know, I didn't want to be the one that had to explain to my dad who spent extra time with his pure frustration. What was wrong with this girl? Um, why I'd only got two out of 100. And I have been the person that got two out of 100 in the spelling test. Um, so you had to come up with coping mechanisms like, you know, when you know you were in history and you had to do reading round, I'd try and guess roughly where it would end up with me and make sure I pre-read it and 
ask the guy next to me to tell me what that word was but wow. you kind of cope through and um you know dyslexia doesn't define me it's like having brown eyes and blondish hair yeah. but um it has given me other skills and capabilities about um kind of having to think about strategy problem solving cracking at a process and you learn these to kind of get through but um i think you know it wasn't until uh, probably about five years ago when i was working at bt and i had to undergo a coaching program as part of my uh senior hr development did i actually become a able to talk about dyslexia in my journey because it was still a bit of a stigma it was still had connotations to yeah. not being quite right being thick you know in certain um, circumstances which you know there's no guide from parenting and my parents were doing what was right for me and what was best for me but it was frustration because nobody got it at the time yeah. and I think you know in our age group where it wasn't known it wasn't defined um, it just didn't make sense and I think sometimes with people uh, with these areas sometimes it doesn't make sense and, and therefore until you can analyze it or define it and, and find out some shape of it it can be quite frustrating for those people around us and that's why kind of um having been on my journey i'm quite passionate about being open and honest because it just helps people make sense of you and then you can work together amazing i totally agree i mean i look back to my own experiences uh i remember going to school with a young guy who had dyslexia and uh the only thing we knew about dyslexia was that he had to wear orange glasses he had these tinted uh lenses in his frames and of course it was all just weird magical stuff to us because nobody actually bothered to explain any of it to us mm. um, had had i think if i, th I think back and had the teacher spent a session explaining what dyslexia was, what it was like to be dyslexic and why those colored lenses made a difference. I suspect we probably would have been kinder. We didn't understand. So we were probably like most kids just, you know, uh, probably made fun. And, and, and this kid probably didn't really, I mean, it was water of a duck's back. So it seemed at the time, mm. uh, but we just didn't know. We literally out of ignorance had no idea. And I think that's, that's part of the, the change that I see happening now. I think what you were saying about, even a few years ago, it was still, it was still it positioned you badly. If you had dyslexia, people would draw a conclusion about you. And it has no bearing really on the rest of you in any shape or form. And yet now with education, now the discussion, you know, not just neurodiversity, but into mental health and everything actually is just exploding. As a result, I think our capacity to understand each other is going through the roof. And, and it's an amazing time because all of a sudden, you know, I'm learning of companies who are now uh, proactively hiring people with autism specifically because they believe they have specific skill sets that are going to lend themselves to the role more than people without autism. So for some people, it's actually going to be a hiring advantage. I mean, that, that's, you know, having blue eyes was, was never so valuable. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting how we've gone from one end of, you know, relative ignorance and probably uh, unkindness to kindness and uh, understanding and as a result for a business you know that inclusivity could mean uh, well it's, un un it's unknowable really what the value it could bring to the business and I, and I do think so um, partly the way you and I connected is that I had a very strange day at work so I think the fact is is that sometimes you just can't hide your neurodiversity so you know give me a pen and a flip chart 
and my coping mechanism growing up was have the worst possible handwriting so nobody <laughs> could see whether you had spelt it wrong of course and now you just have to kind of say well I really can't spell but I'll give it a go and I'm always the one that says oh Kerry would you mind describing and you're like no not really <laughs> um but uh you know I remember um so now I just say look guys I'm dyslexic and it was like okay uh and then the great thing that happened to me was I'd just taken on a new intern in my team and then after the meeting he said to me oh carry on dyslexic too Maybe. so I feel that had I have not said that then he wouldn't have felt that he was in a position where he could come forward likewise uh, I was with uh, another sales director and uh, he asked me to just check through a uh, LinkedIn post because he said, I I'm dyslexic. So it felt like we were in a really great environment where we could be open and honest. And I think especially where we have successful people in business and being successful doesn't necessarily mean senior. I think the more that we can kind of in a way come out with our neurodiversity and the better it can be, because actually there is strength in it. In many because actually you form what is is relatedness and um, actually you're not alone and where people can relate to you it takes the stigma of being unique or different out and I think where we can kind of step up and talk about it and it, it it's just a way I think differently but with things like you know spell checkers uh, speech to text doesn't mean that my written work is 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 no different I mean I'm a published author so clearly I am capable of overcoming these things um, and uh, I think the fact is as long as we don't let it define us it's just part of us yeah uh, and we don't let it become an excuse about why we can't and we don't think ourselves as any different and we'll put ourselves forward um for what we want to do because we're passionate about doing it then it it's just a it's just a tick box and i think maybe it comes with age and and, and stability or just generally kind of like it's too much of a burden to carry and i think you know when i had to go through my own self-reflection in order to become a coach it is that it, it's a perception and it's an emotion. And I think if anybody has kind of like you or I come up in the age group where, you know, it wasn't a great place to be. It wasn't understood. And we still have stigmas around that. I think I would recommend if you can find a, a coach or a, a counselor just to unburden yourself, because once you have, you realize it's a perception that you're yeah. carrying. Yeah. It's a weight and it doesn't need to be because it's history uh it's spent your gifts are what you offer today i'm not the 12 year old kid sat in that spelling test um you know i'm a lot more than that now um uh and you know for whatever thing dyslexia was it's given me so much more capability so many more attributes i mean i can suss a process or a problem pretty quickly um yeah. because i had i had to uh and my skill set is probably slightly uh, higher than maybe my colleagues without dyslexia because of that so um just think about how we can support people with their strengths uh it doesn't have to be it's the same for everybody it doesn't have to be a neurodiversity issue it sure. can just be some people have better strengths artistically or you know analytically and, it, and it's just basically playing to that but you know a team that is the same is a dull team the people that think the same doesn't invoke uh, success or uh, creativity sure. so you know really cherish the things that are different understand how you relate together but always have a set objective and how people get there as long as it's ethical and supportive you know there's no better team to be in
No, it's amazing. I mean, I completely agree. And I, it, feel, it fills me with joy to realize that, you know, the leaders in, in, in all spheres of life and especially in business are um, emerging with these understandings because the reality is um, you're absolutely right. The more varied the team, the better the solutions, the better the outcomes, the more enjoyable the experience. It, there's, you know, homo homogeneity doesn't breed innovation. It doesn't breed growth. And actually, I think neurodiversity is a fantastic force for good as a result. Because look at this. I mean, we're having these discussions around uh, kindness and understanding and, and leveraging the best out of each other by understanding each other and knowing what our strengths are. You know, I'm not a long distance sprinter. I can throw things <laughs> really far, but I'm not a long distance sprinter. So asking me to be the guy that runs, you know, uh, a marathon in the two hours is probably a futile exercise but ask me to throw something really far and I could probably do that give me a shot put and I'm okay and I think that's what it comes down to you know um, we're used to picking teams and we're used to picking people for what we think they're good at and this is just another variable of things we're good at and things we're not so good at um, so we're not going to pick you necessarily to represent us in the spelling bee but on the other hand if there's a process uh, if there's a process competition that needs someone to be able to spot intuitively almost you know uh, viscerally the problem with a massive process within a short period of time well you've been training on that for a very long period of time exactly. so Okay. predisposed to solve that problem than another and the business that you know puts the right people into the right places to solve the right problems is the business that wins mm. um so it's amazing so so where are you now i mean you know amazing life journey tell us about state of play today and how you know any last minute coping mechanisms or new um you know new emerging uh, well, I, I think i mean to be fair i mean i'm i'm, I'm very blessed i work in an amazing organization that's very supportive um and i kind of think that i'm probably not very good on coping mechanisms because although i had the 21 at university where it was picked up i uh, did my assessment that said that yes you were and probably that's quite hard to me it did feel that someone had put me in a running race and i'm not a sprinter either. Uh -huh. um so i must admit i've not gone back to do one of those again but um obviously you need to do what you need to do to get the, the the diagnosis and that wasn't too many years ago now um but um but i think the fact is is that i mean my coping mechanism is to 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 work with people who have strengths where i i don't and whether that's with my dyslexia or just generally in, in work or at home um you know my, my husband's color blind so i won't get him to pick the curtains but you know he can <laughs> use a drill bit a lot better than i can um so uh so you know i'm very blessed that i have a a lady in my team who loves to proofread so really? she'll proofread my kind of presentations which is great for her because um it, she sees to see what's going on plus she loves doing it um and i think you know use friends and family my dad's still at 70 plus reads and proofs read some of my stuff if i need to late at night it Amazing. gives him a purpose he's really happy to do so and i think you know spread the word um you know i saw one of my colleagues um uh, reach out and you know there's more people out there than than that have this and i think the more that we can create a community and do what you're doing out and share share knowledge share experience um the less it will be like it's it's something that's different and i yeah. i think there's more of us out there there's much more information on the internet we can connect a lot easier mm. but um but it's not something to be a be frightened of or feel that oh. you're not you know complete about because i think it, it for what 
it it might you know die down in one area it will excel in other areas and there's plenty of roles out there um whether it's process or problem solving or transformation or creativity and there's plenty of amazing role models out there so it, it's a factor it's not a limiter set your sights high in if you're a parent or a manager you know it is high high challenge high support coaching and you will you can achieve whatever you want to achieve so set your sights high go for it and don't ever let anybody tell you no that's my top tip amazing amazing look uh, i mean that's brilliant stuff and that's coming from someone who you know is operating at a high level has set you know your sights high you haven't taken no for an answer you've just gone around the problem and solved it and uh, i'm very grateful kerry to have you on the podcast and for you to share with us um no doubt uh uh, there is uh, someone out there who, up until they heard this, uh, genuinely thought it was, um, you know, something wrong with them or their fault. Um, and of course, it totally isn't. That's the experience my son had. That was where this podcast came from. It totally isn't anyone's fault. In the words of Brene Brown, we're all enough. You know, there's nothing more that we need. Um, and, uh, you know, we just have to accept that. Like you said, it's a perception thing, often on our own back, that uh, makes us feel we aren't enough and we are. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you for the invitation. No, it's really great to chat to everybody else that's listening. Uh, thank you for giving us your attention. Um, uh, do share um, and do make sure we get the word out and uh, tune in next week uh, for the next episode of Uber Neuro. Thanks very much.